The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. But uh, before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? I'm on cloud nine, man. This fucking show was awesome. Uh, take Fighter Fest, take Fight for the Fallen and shove it up your ass because this Dynamite was way better than those three shows combined, I believe. So, wow. Um, yeah, like it it was so fucking good, man. And we'll we'll dive into the the specifics of why, but I've been kind of running on a high all day from last night's dynamite and just kind of realizing, man, we get to like we're on week 20 of quarantine and the fact that we've had AEW dynamite throughout the entire thing, I'm not exaggerating, has been a fucking lifesaver. A uh you know, mental health savior on my end. So be able to watch this show every week and to record the thoughts and everything we think it's, it's good. And it's hard not to feel this good about, you know, a show like this, like it, it was just awesome. Amazing. Top to bottom. Like I don't even want to do our weekly recipe workout cooking bullshit. Like I want to talk about this show cause it was so fucking stacked, but how you doing buddy? I'm I'm doing well. You know, I think the people want to know. We ha- we got to give the people what they want. No, things are good. It's it's really really hot here. Um, so I've been kind of drained uh, in in the afternoons, but it's uh, it's good. I'm still playing Slay the Spire, and uh, I just played through Cave Story, which was really fun. It was kind of a, a 2D action platformer, and uh, had a really fun story it was kind of a throwback but it just it controlled really nicely and it's it's really fun really quick playthrough so you're looking for a cave story before yeah i think it originally came out on steam and then it was ported to the switch and uh it's a little bit pricey for what it is i got it on sale i think it was listed for 30 bucks but i got it for 10 and um if you can get it at that kind of lower price point it's totally worth it it's a fun playthrough um and it's not terribly long but I, I really enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, it's. Uh, I just started. I just started my new crazy long playthrough. I just got a uh, just started. Um, Horizon Zero. Oh fuck! Is it Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn? Yes, Horizon Zero Dawn on the PlayStation. I was told that if I like The Last of Us, this is a good game to to dive into. And they, you know, they announced the sequel on the PS5 for next year. Or so. Figured why the hell not. And for any of you nerds out there, this is who Becky Lynch cosplayed as at WrestleMania a few years ago. Oh, uh, cool. Yep. That's that's the the uh God, I can't remember which mania that was, but it's when she had like the big hair. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh twenty eighteen, that would be WrestleMania thirty four. Dude, I don't it was know. The one, oh, it was the one we were at. It's the one when we were down in Orlando. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. She had like the red the red dreadlocks and then yeah. like the the white paint braids, across the face. Not yeah. dreads. Yep. Red. Yeah, braids. Um so that's yeah. Cool nerd wrestling connection, but uh anything else before we dive into this card? Oh, you mentioned The Last of Us and I know you're you're a big fan. I have two podcast episodes that are about 
The Last of Us from a podcast that I really like. And I've been avoiding listening to them because I know that they're chock full of spoilers. Oh, and, uh, yeah. They, just, they sit there in my podcast queue and stare at me. So I, I think I need to <laughs> I need to play through Is your games. completionist completionist getting to you? No, I mean... I, I, it's it's more just that I really like this podcast and I want to listen. Is it, to is it, it. Ha, is it how did this get played? Yeah, it is. I, okay. I, I absolutely love that podcast. So, yeah. Well, I saw that their their latest episode was Star Wars Episode One Racer. So, yeah, I figured you could dive into that. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. It's great. Um, well, like I said, if I if I if I can make it down for a visit this year, I'll bring my PlayStation with me. Um. And you can knock out The Last of Us one, and I don't know if you'll be able to knock out The Last of Us two because it was it took me twenty nine hours and forty two minutes to beat that game. Um, yeah, that's like which, um, probably like at least two to three weeks for me to get through that much. So, so. what? So what I'll do is when I get the PS five, I will ship you my PS four, <laughs> so you can knock out both The Last of Us and The Last of Us two. All right, sounds like a plan. Because they are must plays. Like, you know me, I don't hype up games that much. Like, yeah. you have to play this. You got to play these games. They're so damn, so damn good. And the story will make you cry. All right. And if you don't, you have no soul. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that may already have been confirmed. But that is what it is. <laughs> let's right, uh, let's to... get into the action. Let's do it. The dynamite that was. All right. This week's edition of Dynamite started off on fire with a TNT championship open challenge that was answered by none other than a debuting Eddie Kingston. This was very (laughs) exciting. Uh, He cut an incredible promo and then they had an incredible no holds barred match that absolutely lived up to its name. I'm sure we'll be talking about that later on. After that, we got a promo from John Moxley talking about his match with Brian Cage. This was followed by MJF squaring off against Griff Garrison. MJF getting the pinfall victory in that affair. Uh, We got an update on the role model uh, telling us about the surgery that she needed as a result of having her nose broken yet again. And uh, after that, we got a promo from Taz where he was interrupted by Darby Allen, who was interrupted by Ricky Starks, uh, who was interrupted by John Moxley. So uh, a bit of a kerfuffle there. And then we got an announcement that AEW over the coming weeks will be having a 16-woman, 18 tag tournament. So this is very exciting. And uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later as well. Chris Jericho cut a promo with the Inner Circle ahead of his main event match against Jurassic Express. And the Jericho promo was followed by the Butcher and the Blade taking on the Young Bucks in a Falls Count Anywhere match. The Young Bucks getting the victory in that affair. This was followed by a backstage segment slash promo with uh, Jake Roberts cutting a promo while Lance Archer beat people up. Literally. (laughs) After this was a match between Diamante and Ivalice both of whom were making their Dynamite debuts. And after that was a match between Adam Page and Five. Adam Page getting the pinfall victory in that affair. Finally, we got to our main event, the Inner Circle defeating Jurassic Express and the return of Sammy Guevara back from suspension. 
in the close of the show. So, so much to talk about. Mike, what stood out to you? Stock up, stock down. I don't know how we could start this segment with anyone else other than Eddie Kingston. Holy crap. I <laughs> I don't know what was better, the match or the promo before the match. And I kind of love that he just came out, no music, basically saying, hey, hey, hold up. And, you know, I took some, you know, notes of what he said. And, you know, I just, oh, man, the passion behind, like, I grew up around alcoholics, junkies. I had to grind. I had to survive. You don't tell me nothing about grinding. The sport of pro wrestling, that's a joke. Everyone you have faced has been a child. I will put you in the ground and smile. Just so damn good, man. Get Tell us a little bit about Mr. Eddie Kingston. Well, I first encountered Eddie Kingston in Impact Wrestling when he was managing uh, LAX. And there was this really awesome storyline uh, where the new LAX was feuding with the old LAX. And so Homicide and Hernandez got involved along with Ortiz and Santana. And they did these kind of pre-shot street violence uh, segments that were kind of like the cinematic matches that we're accustomed to. Um, but Eddie Kingston was always on the mic doing all the talking and it was him squaring off with Conan and it was just amazing stuff. So that was kind of my introduction to Eddie Kingston. And then I stopped watching impact and he popped up in NWA and once again, would just come out and cut these amazing promos. He's such a great talker. And I'm so excited that he was able to come in and immediately show at the top of the program what he's capable of, both on the mic and then in the ring. I felt like he was so intense. And I got to also give props to the commentary team in this match. We, we often talk about, you know, commentary that we don't like. So I want to highlight some commentary that I did like. I felt like they were putting over Eddie Kingston and the character that he was portraying through that promo so well you know they were talking about how he had to sell his boots to pay his mortgage during covid and that when he got the call that he was getting this match he had to go out and buy wrestling boots um, or maybe he borrowed them from somebody you know so that he could have this match and it just put over everything about grinding and surviving that he had been talking about in this promo so i thought this was fantastic I had seen all over Twitter over recent weeks uh, that Eddie Kingston was kind of angling for this match, but I never thought it would happen. And I'm so glad it did. We are getting surprises with these open challenges, man. You know, obviously we had Starks a few weeks ago, um, Eddie Kingston now. And man, th there's also been that like teasing back and forth between him and the man formerly known as Zack Ryder. So um, they will, I I'm all for it. And, what I really loved about the promo is it kind of showed how easily Cody's like son of Dusty can be flipped to being a heel character, basically saying like, Oh, you're, you're, you're a son of a legend and you didn't have to work for anything. And I, I kind of, we've been seeing these teases of Cody kind of being more heelish and, you know, it kind of shows that with a flip, Cody could turn that character and basically lean into what every, everything that Eddie Kingston was saying. Um, and 
the match itself, <laughs> I loved I loved Eddie goading Cody into the DQ match, saying, well, Tony says all you have to do is get Cody to accept kind of, you know, leaning into the fact that Cody's kind of a hothead. Cody will do things like he didn't need to do the three stipulations that MJF said to get the match at revolution. But guess what? He fucking did it. You know, like um, it, it, it was very, very good work. And just this match was intense. I never thought I'd see a thumbtack spot on cable television at the top of a show. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty wild. And, you know, like I said, this match lived up to the no holds barred stipulation and Eddie Kingston repeatedly was going for the eyes. He hit a low blow at one point and they do such a good job. Like I know that Cody is not going to lose, but I get drawn in and I forget that Cody is not going to lose. And it just, it grabs you. Uh, This was a very punchy kicky match. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of high spots or really, you know, crazy, Moves oh, technical work, yeah. But man, it was every bit as compelling as the Young Bucks flying around the ring doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I don't want to take anything away from them as storytellers because they're great too. But this match exemplified how you get a lot out of a little. And that thumbtack spot was brutal. And uh, you know, one of the things that always gets me with thumbtacks is like they keep getting you right like even as eddie kingston is tapping out he tapped out onto thumbtacks and then immediately starts shaking out his hand because that shit hurts oh yeah and dude how often do we see the baby face just full-on taking that spot i think it was on talk as jericho where he talks about when they proposed that with uh dean ambrose he was like oh shit i'm the heel i'm gonna have to take that spot so uh way to way to mess with our expectations by having the baby like the biggest baby face in the company eat a hundred thumbtacks into his back like yeah it was mox's idea to do the thumbtacks in the jericho (laughs) match and then jericho was like but you're going over you can't take the thumbtacks and then go over (laughs) so (laughs) and i thought when he nailed that like and it wasn't like he just fell on him or they did like the the flip over the back. Like it was a power bomb onto the thumbtacks, like power bombs. There's more force on a power bomb than just like dropping you. So there's no way to kind of like gracefully roll through. Like you're going to get thumbtacks stuck in your back. Even if you don't get the pointy end, right? Like the the side of the thumbtack is going to stick into your skin with that kind of impact. It's just excruciating. And you could see all the blood spots forming on his back from that spot it was nasty and i loved it and in the continuation of the the cody arn anderson thing like another week where arn's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like why did you accept a no dq match like you just can see it in his face you can see it in his eyes and like you know head coaches want to try and control everything that they can and you know uncertainty is what coaches hate so Arn must be rolling every night thinking of what the fuck's going to happen next in a kayfabe sense. So, yeah, loved everything about this match. And one more thing before we move on. I loved 
the throwing, well, your buddy Tony Khan said I could do this as long as you like I we haven't seen Tony on camera at all, only like for press conferences and stuff like that. I'm not saying that we're gonna get like Tony Khan as the the evil commissioner puppet master thing, but it was interesting that they put Tony Khan's name into this story like very specifically. So curious to see if that goes anywhere. It kind of reminds me of when Nigel McGuinness was the matchmaker in Ring of Honor. Like he wasn't the commish. He wasn't like in charge, but he, you know, he had that title and he was actually even on commentary. So he's out at ringside, but he's still this kind of neutral force that has some authority over what happened in that organization. And I I thought that was really well done uh, for that period of time in Ring of Honor. And I think AEW is doing a similar thing where it's like, we're not ignoring that Tony exists and that Tony has the power. He gets referenced on commentary pretty frequently, but we're also not having him come out and either be malevolent or beneficent. So it's really nice to kind of have that dynamic, but not have it be a story beat other than the way the other characters interact because of Tony. Yeah, I think that's a good way. And I, I think it's important to let the fans know there is a kind of a, um, cause we all know like kayfabe or not, we all know Cody, the bucks and Omega are EVPs of this company. Like they have the power to, they're booking everything. So the occasional reminders like, oh yeah, there is someone who technically outranks the four of them. And that's Tony. So yeah, um, if you just anything- say front office, like it, it doesn't convey, you know, where's that decision coming from? Is it coming from one of these people who actually has a stake in what happens in the ring? So I do. I agree. I think that's really important. And as fans, we know Tony Khan's a big wrestling nerd anyways. Like, you know, the biggest. Yeah. Like he's he truly like I've never related more to a billionaire in my life. <laughs> And I guess technically daddy's the billionaire, but it's the cons money. So we'll sure. lock him in there. Yeah. Um, anything else before we move on in our stock up, stock down? No, let's move over to the other main singles championship uh, in AEW men's wrestling. And we had a, a few different things that happened over the course of and actually going back to AEW wait, wait, Dark. Joel, Joel, real quick. We're talking about the AEW championship and stock up stock down we did it (laughs) it's been a minute it's been a minute but we're here we're back and there's a lot to talk about so this actually it's it's been seven weeks joel (laughs) since we've included this i went back and checked i believe it was seven weeks ago was the last time we included anything championship aw championship related in our stock up stock down so, so yeah, stock up to the (laughs) aew heavyweight championship title picture uh, and, and this actually goes back to AEW Dark. It started with uh, Ricky Starks uh, joining Taz yes. and uh, Brian Cage in the conclusion of that show, uh, which was kind of cool to have a, a real story beat take place on AEW Dark. Doesn't happen all that often. Usually Dark is kind of laying foundation and framework that then you know, transitions over to Dynamite. But in this instance, something that was already happening on Dynamite kind of went next step on Dark. So that was cool. And then we got Taz coming out and cutting a promo explaining why he threw in the towel. 
And this was after Mox cut a promo commending Taz for throwing in the towel because otherwise he wouldn't have let go and he would have ripped Brian Cage's arm off. So (laughs) I thought this was really good stuff. Darby comes out, gets ambushed by Ricky Starks, which for anyone who doesn't watch Dark was the kind of announcement to the world that, oh, Ricky is with Taz and Cage now. And then Mox comes out to make the save, which then sets up a match for next week where we're going to see a tornado tag team match between Brian Cage, Ricky Starks against John Moxley and Darby Allen. Strange bedfellows, if you will. Uh, but I can't be more excited about what's going on in this picture because I'm happy with any one of these four guys being champion. And I have no idea where, what direction we're going to go in coming out of this. Yeah, it also makes, I think it makes me, I probably you as well, makes us feel better about the results of how the title match went down. Because I remember you were initially a little like, oh man, and I was a little bummed, but I'm glad that they're not abandoning the story and that they're evolving the story. Like we talked about how with uh, Brody Lee and uh, Lance Archer that it just kind of ended after they lost their big title matches. They just moved on to something else. So I'm glad that this is continuing. Um, And to kind of go through the chronological order here, Moxley's promo, this is what we need for Moxley. We don't need him doing these, like he's had some kind of like cookie cutter baby face promos, like how I'm just going to keep fighting. This was, I'm dangerous. You know I'm dangerous. Mess with me again. You're not going to be lucky. Like it was short. It was sweet. It was to the point. And it kind of showed Moxley's a badass. And we've been kind of critical of some of Moxie's promos since he's been AEW champion. Um, And I feel like this was one of the best ones that we've had from him. I agree. I think a lot of those early promos were kind of trying to cast him as the hero of the people. Like I think back to when I think it was when they were in Ohio and he was out in the ring and the uh, inner circle came out and they were like, Oh, it's, it's five on one Mox. What are you going to do? And he's like, uh, I've got all these people with me. Bring it on. And it's like, that just doesn't feel like John Moxley. This felt or, like John Moxley. Or the Brody Lee, even the one with Brody Lee where he's like, well, all you had to do was ask. Like, even that kind of was like, ugh, you know, you could make that come off a little more like you're crazy. So this felt like Moxley. This felt like Moxley uh, leading up to his like match with Omega last year like the very occasional moxley appearances in aw throughout the summer um hopefully it stays this way because this is the moxley that i'm interested in yeah definitely and i love the insertion of of ricky starks into this situation Mm -hmm. he's someone who i think has limitless star power i mean his charisma is just ridiculous and putting him into this kind of high profile feud right off the top is great. It actually reminds me of Darby facing off with Cody and kind of getting that initial rivalry with Cody with those series of matches that they had. And I think this is just a a great look for him. And if you didn't watch the match with Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs on Dark. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Check that out because it was who is Will Hobbs because he's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. The dude can go, and 
I was really impressed. I was disappointed the first time Will Hobbs was on Dark because it was uh, it was an Orange Cassidy squash match where he just Superman punched him and then got the pin. And I was like, I really wanted to see this guy in action because I hadn't seen him before. And uh, he's he's been in a few matches since then on Dark. And it's just great. He's really good. And Ricky Starks looked really good. I couldn't believe the strength for the oh, finish God. of that match on Dark. So. Uh, definitely go back and watch that if you didn't already. And, and I, yeah, and, and to pair these guys with a veteran like Taz, like this is obviously we've talked about how great this is for Cage to be paired with Taz. And I thought Starks, you know, he did that promo before the open challenge. I'm like, that was pretty good. I don't think we've seen him talk that much, but I'm always in favor of pairing a young stud with a proven veteran manager. And if this leads to some sort of like Taz faction, I'm all for it, man. Like, and just just adding another member to this group opens up the possibilities for Brian Cage too. Like, maybe maybe they shift to the tag team division. You have Brian Cage and Ricky Starks as a tag team, or you have Cage kind of support Starks in, you know, say the TNT title, whatever. Like, it it just adds more storytelling up possibilities um, and allows these two guys, even though Brian Cage is amazing to develop even further within the realm of AEW. So yeah, thumbs up here, man. And that tornado tag match next week is going to be insane. Yeah. I'm looking forward and to that one a lot. Freaking sane. Just putting like, Darby in a tor- tornado tag match. I don't really care who the three other guys are. It just happens that in this instance, they're also amazing performers, but thinking of what Darby is going to do when there are three people for him to interact with and he doesn't have to tag in or out. That's just amazing. I also don't remember the last time a match has been like, Oh, this is our tornado tag match. Like it's actually like in the advert in the the title card. So um, yeah. Anything else with this match before we move on to our next item, Joel, next item I wanted to talk about, and I know you want to talk about this too, is the match between I am going to screw up these names, but hopefully let, let, let's give it a go. Diamante? Yes. And Ivelisse? Yes. Two for you know two. How many, you know how many times I misspelled Ivelisse in my notes last night? <laughs> Percentage-wise, zero to 100%. Uh, I'm going to go 80%. Literally 100%. I, I, don't, I don't have autocorrect on word. And in my notes, every time I have Ivelisse spelled, it is different. And there's the red squiggly lines underneath it. For the record, I don't think autocorrect would have saved you. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But yeah, I did not spell a, spell a single thing right. Um, I'm just going to get this off the bat real, real quick. I did not like that they crammed the uh, Big Swole promo right when this match was getting kicked off. Um it kind of it it took me out of the match and out of the moment for a second, and then it took me a few minutes to get back into it. But once I got back into it, these two women rule, and this is kind of the like shot in the arm the women's division needed because we've been talking about it for weeks. The fact that AEW mentioned it on their show, basically saying, "Yeah, the women's division doesn't have many people in it right now. Um, what are we gonna do?" So. These two women, we talked about them a lot last week in our preview, but um, very talented. They felt like they belonged 
with some of the other women I've seen maybe on AEW Dark. I'm kind of like, they might not be ready for this yet. These two came in, worked an excellent match. I wish they had more time, but just really, really good stuff between the, the two of them. Yeah, and I think, you know, they're both veterans. They're both going to be people who have a uh, benefit to the locker room. So I think it's great that they're around. Um, I kind of hope they don't get paired up for the Same. tag team tournament. Because um, I, I think all too often we just put two wrestlers together because like, oh, you're both black. You're in a tag team. Oh, you're <laughs> both, you know, yeah. Latinx. You're in a tag team. And I kind of hope that that doesn't happen, especially with like, I don't know if you've seen everything that's been on Twitter lately from like Leo Rush right. and uh, a few other notable performers, um, AJ Gray. And we've basically been talking about like race in professional wrestling. Big Swole got in on it too. She wrote a statement that I thought was really good. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it, it's not, necessary to to pair people up based off of that characteristic um, one of my favorite tag teams of all time was the world's greatest tag team with shelton benjamin and charlie haas <laughs> and you know we wouldn't have gotten that if they had just looked at shelton benjamin and been like oh well you're gonna tag with booker t you know it, it wouldn't have happened so you know i, I kind of hope they don't get paired up but i'm excited that they're both going to be in this tag team tournament um, because they're great. And I mean, I'm glad <laughs> the tournament is happening. AEW has demonstrated that what they do best is tag team wrestling. So what better way to showcase this division than to have a tag team tournament? I think this is going to be really great. And uh, I know we kind of started off by talking about the, the match, but the match kind of leads into where are we going with the women's division? And this tag tournament is exciting. Let's, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where they're pulling the, the talent from. Because, okay, if we look at the roster, we know we have the following women healthy and able to compete right now. We have um, Nyla Rose. We have Ivalice Diamante. We have Hikaru Shida. We have Big Swole. Like, those would be the the five that we like. We hundred percent know they're going to be Brandy good. Brandy and Allie. Oh yeah, Brandy and Allie, which they already are a team. So that's seven. That's still nine more women we need to fill out this tag team tournament. And other than the Nightmare Sisters, we don't know how any of these women are going to who they're going to align with. Um, you know, Anna J was in the promo, so I'm sure she'll be in the tournament. Abaddon's available. Abaddon's available, you know. I I would love seven kind of unknown. Yeah, Penelope Ford was in the promo, so she's available. Oh yeah, okay, so six. <laughs> yep, we're uh, getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. But like, has Shanna been on TV, or she's still she's isolated? France. She's in France still, so no. Like same thing with Riho and Yuka Sakazaki. Like, like, so. There might be like six spots. Oh, Leva Bates. We put in the librarian with someone. <laughs> um, I, I imagine we'll probably see Kylan King because she's been wrestling a lot on Dark and is actually, you know, she was one of the people that faced off with Nyla Rose in that handicap match. Uh, Kenzie Page is someone who I know um, Dustin is, is really high on and he works with the women a lot in training. 
So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see her in one of these tag teams as well. And then Uh, was it uh, Rachel Chanel? Rache. Rache. I, I didn't know if it was Rache Chanel, a show Chanel Chanel, whatever. Um, you know, I I watched her. Hey man, I'm, I'm fine being compared to Taz. Um, (laughs) so, you know, they, they have some people, obviously something like this will give them a chance to, um, kind of be highlighted. I would assume this tournament will conclude at all out. That just seems like a natural end of this tournament, which means they don't have to rush it. Um, I remember the thing we loved about the first few weeks of the TNT tournament is there was only one match for the tournament a week. And then it kind of picked up steam at the end, but you could definitely stretch out a 16 person tournament, um, eight teams tournament, um, a couple months if you really wanted to. Um, I kind of wish that it was not just a single elimination thing. Cause I think if you really wanted to give these women a chance to shout at, uh, you know, really rock, you know, giving them a chance to have multiple matches as a team, it maybe will kind of have like a preseason type thing where these teams get formed and we see their recruitment. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how the other seven teams turn out because we know we only have one official team so far. Yeah, for sure. But it makes the Nightmare Sisters make a, it makes so much more sense now if they've been having this plan for a while because we haven't really had like women tag teams as like a you like a team more than just a single night you know so yeah we'll definitely. see I'm sure I'm sure we'll see some stuff on being the elite I'm sure we'll see some stuff in uh, the next couple of weeks of these these teams coming together so. Exciting stuff, though. Exciting stuff, though. Yeah, I kind of hope we get a little bit more buildup before there's like a bracket announcement. Yeah. Uh, or I would be fine with them not really announcing a bracket at all and just kind of, you know, revealing as they go, because that's kind of a fun way to, you know, I guess it falls into the cheap pop category, but I think it's fun and adds a little bit of mystery to the episode. Uh, in the same way that like not announcing all of Cody's opponents adds a little bit of of mystery and and suspense. So well, I, I, I think if they I, I think if they do it that way, then they miss out on the opportunity to show these characters too. Like if you say, "Hey, the tournament's going to start in mid August," you know that gives us three weeks to get teams formed and maybe three weeks of you know leave a Bates running around the arena, trying to get someone to be her tag team partner. And she keeps getting turned down, turned down. And then she has to result to teaming with Abaddon, <laughs> like <laughs> the librarian and the zombie. I know. Right. So I think if you play out the recruitment of this very well, um, like basically saying, Hey, I don't want to miss out on this tournament, but I need to have a partner in order to qualify. Um, I think it would be a great chance to see these personalities, see these characters form. Um, and, you know, it's it says the Women's Tag Team Cup. Maybe down the line, the cup turns into a title. Did Were you were you disappointed to see that there wasn't a title on the line? Because I was at first. I'm like, oh, this huge tournament and we're not going to have a champion? It seems a little weird. So I'm actually, at, at this point, I'm glad because I don't think the division can actually support tag team titles right now. So I can barely support a, a a division champion. So right. And that's my thing. I, I just, I, I think this is a great way to highlight some talent, to give people some reps and some spotlight. But I think if they go with women's tag team titles, 
it's going to be pretty rough to try to find time on two hours of television to support two men's titles, tag team titles, a women's title, and women's tag team titles. Like, and the FTW title. Well, I mean, that's mostly a prop. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, I think that creates a huge challenge for a division that, you know, we just struggled to get to 11 names. So yeah, it seems like a once there's a second show, that would be the time to introduce a title like this. Yeah, for like sure. a second second cable show, not a you know we have dark, but like a full fledged TNT show. Um, but anything else before we? Man, I really wish Britt Baker and Statlander were healthy for this. Yeah, because oh man, you know like, they're bummed too. I mean, it's just. Yeah highly unfortunate and it's it's unfortunate for the performers who would likely be pulled in who aren't able to physically get there because of covid yeah so oh god there's so many so many you, know, like, you mentioned that's why it, shanna and riho but there's also like shazza mckenzie would probably come in and and do a show and is b Pritz priestly overseas still too like yeah yeah so that, there's another one um so, yeah, that's why I haven't been too critical of the women's division because it was a smaller roster than the men's and they've been hit hard by injuries and by Corona stuff. So it is what it is. So, all right, Joel, you ready for lightning round here? Let's do it. Lightning round. It didn't make my stock up, stock down, but I really wanted it to. MJF's heel work against Griff Garrison Chef Kiss, my man, so damn good. Just like screaming at Griff throughout the match, trying to get him to say like, oh my God, it was it was so, so damn good. Um, just once again, MJF is such a powerful, masterful heel. And, you know, it's kind of weird because I don't see a spot in any of the title pictures right now for him. You know, maybe this story with, Wardlow that they were kind of teasing comes to fruition, but um, just a reminder of how good this guy is as a heel and really sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think something that we barely left out of our stock up, stock down was the Falls Count Anywhere match between the Butcher and the Blade (laughs) and the Young Bucks. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, it started in the kitchen. Uh, they battled all over the arena and the concourse. And I loved the butcher actually wearing an apron and that he was <laughs> chopping meat when they arrived. Like, live up to your gimmick. I love that. And uh, I don't think anyone in pro wrestling has a better look than the butcher. He's it's, also, he. Don't keep going. It, it's just so perfect. The facial hair, the. The face that he makes, like he's so intense and it just, it gets across everything that he's trying to do as a character. I wish there was a better spot for them right now. Like I want them in the tag team title picture because I think they could make such great heel champions. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. And man, I guess, I guess there's no touring right now. So Andy Williams can just get jacked. He looks huge. Like, He's really been putting in the work. Like his just his shoulders, his arms, they just look bigger, more defined. Um, and just, you know, when when you're 
getting te- paired up with the Young Bucks, like that's a lot of pressure. They're the best tag team in the world. And they not only brought it, they kept up. They made, they had some really crazy spots. Um, I thought the blade died when that table didn't break. Oh, <laughs> hashtag table didn't break. Um, and then, you know, I, I tweet a lot during the shows and I'm really disappointed that this one didn't get any traction, but you know, when they were on like the car and they ran into the wall. Yeah. It it was just like Harry and Ron in the Chamber of Secrets when they were trying to get on platform nine and three quarters, and I tweeted an awesome gif of that, and no, no one no one latched onto it. I'm pretty disappointed in the wrestling world right now, but that spot made me laugh because that gif was just that image was perfect of them just crashing into the wall. Um, but yeah, just really fun stuff here. Anything else, Joel? Before I, I drop some more lightning round stuff. No. What's next? I am Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah that Britt baker role model segment was great uh oh, and uh, I, I love shivani trying to to rescue her when she mentioned the washington wizards and he's like uh actually he never even made the playoffs with <laughs> <laughs> that was great i am michael and i love i love that when reba rebel was about to tell her her name mm-hmm. she got interrupted I hope that's a recurring gag. Like we've talked about how like I love and like cheers. You don't see Vera's face at all or how you don't see um, and Frazier. You don't see Niles, wife uh, at all. Like I love little gags like that. So I hope we never find out what her name is. And I hope if they add her to the AEW roster, it's just a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know what her name is. (laughs) It's just funny that they acknowledge it on air. In kayfabe, we don't know what the name is, Joel. That's true. It's true. <laughs> You're kayfabe only. Kayfabe only. It's true. Um, so <laughs> my my next shout out has to go to uh, Lance Archer destroying people in the locker room while Jake tries not to laugh while he's cutting a promo. Uh, he's being interviewed by Alex Marvez. And in the middle of the interview... Lance Archer storms off and finds three Jobers and just knocks the crap out of them, including putting one of them through the ceiling tile. Oh my God. That was so fucking good. (laughs) Dumping him in a garbage can, like full on middle school bully tactics. And I'm here for it. I just love this segment. And I think they're doing a really good job of, without really having him in meaningful matches, rehabilitating Lance Archer and getting him in a spot where when he does step into the ring, you're going to be afraid of what he's going to do. It, I mean this with the utmost respect. It felt Looney Tunes-ish. Like, you ever remember in the cartoons where someone would, like, get thrown into the ceiling and, like, hit a light socket or something and just start, like, being electrocuted. I literally thought that guy was about to get electrocuted because he was just shoved right into the ceiling. I laughed so hard during that. And yeah, they need to rehabilitate him too, but he's also such a, a monster. You just can't have him fight anyone, you know, like in a feud because he'll just crush him. Like, so I, I, I appreciate the slow build back up again. Hopefully we, we see him in something significant here soon. Um, but yeah, what a freaking monster. Like, I'm, I've, I wouldn't want to be backstage at a Dynamite show because I'd just be afraid that I'd be assaulted. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no one is safe. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff here with uh, Hangman Page 5 and The Dark Order. And what I really found interesting was FTR made the save first before Kenny could get out there. And we know Kenny has beef with FTR. If you watched uh, Being the Elite this week, Kenny continued some of his heelish stuff. You know, there's actually a a conversation with him and Paige arguing about Paige having a drink with FTR. Um, Paige, (laughs) Kenny called Marco Stunt a fucking pussy for saying he had his feelings hurt by Omega. (laughs) So um, we're continuing to see heelish Kenny and we're going to get a tag team title match between Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, and Evil Uno and Stu Grayson next week, which should be awesome. But I'm curious to see if if this is just if it's going to continue just being Kenny versus FTR and kind of this, you know, feud like kind of jealousy or whatever here, or will Brody Lee kind of slip his manipulative uh, tongue in between Page and Omega? A lot of a lot of ways the story can go. What'd you think of um, that match in that segment? I, I loved it. And I like the positioning of Adam page with FTR. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I also it looks think right too. if we're going to get this four horsemen revival that they keep teasing, why not do Sean Spears, FTR and Adam page? Oh, that's a hell of a stable right there. That. And it makes a lot of sense. It so, makes more sense with Paige there than Cody, because Cody's always been the one that's been like looped into it. And I just I don't really feel that. Well, he's for a Cody. Rhodes. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, he shouldn't be in the four horsemen. He should be fighting the four horsemen. And that makes even yeah. more sense if Sean Spears is the head of that group, because they have a built-in rivalry already. So I, I would love it if they ended up going that direction. And you know, they've they've teased it a lot. And if it comes around, whether that's in the, the near future, in the next couple of months or way down the road, I will be happy to see that happen. But that's my takeaway from that segment. Yeah, I, I'm just so interested in what they're doing with Kenny here, because in the commentary did a good job of pointing out, huh, Kenny was late. Like, was he in the shower? I'm pretty sure JR has during the the, <laughs> the save part. So. Um, very interested to see where he goes. And obviously we're both Kenny, Kenny Marks, and I've been kind of clamoring to get Kenny on the top of the roster for a long time now. So we need anything the cleaner. to get us. We, we need the cleaner, man. We need the cleaner. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about the, the main event at all. Well, it's the only segment we haven't at least touched we, on. So we might as well talk about might it as well. Um, the Inner Circle faced off with Jurassic Express, and the Inner Circle was represented by Jake Hager and Chris Jericho. And I thought this was probably the best Hager has looked. I really liked his work in this match. I thought he leaned into some of the more technical aspects of his wrestling style with some of the grapples and counters that he did. And I, I think it's a testament to Luchasaurus and his ability to make other people look great because the spots where Jake looked really good in this match were when he was squaring off with Luchasaurus. What did you think? Uh, I thought Hager looked great. I still think he needs better ring gear. He looks Agreed. ridiculous. Put him in a single. <laughs> um, but he wrestled with uh, 
the intimidation that you would expect someone his size to bring. Um, I liked his counter out of the choke slam, trying to. Uh, he didn't lock in the ankle lock from that move, but it was very clean and very um, smooth. And yeah, I thought in the moments he threw his weight around with uh, Jungle Boy, and then the stuff with Luchasaurus was great. And I thought Jericho moved pretty well. Jericho taking that roundhouse kick looked great. Absolutely. Like, I was kind of worried about like a 50 year old man getting his bell rung. Um, but, and like the camera angle on, angle on that kick too, like it showed the connection too. Like it wasn't one of the ones where they switched the angle. Like you see the foot hit him right in the face. Um, and I really loved Aubrey getting really physical with Jericho when he brought in the bat, like, like, Oh shit. <laughs> like they're going to fight. And I don't know about you, but I want to see Aubrey and Jericho one-on-one. Um, <laughs> You don't mess with Aubrey Edwards. She'll take you, <laughs> you out. Don't, you don't mess with Aubrey Edwards. I really love the double DDT from Jungle Boy, where he basically extended his body completely straight up in the air. Like, I'm doing ab workouts right now. And I like that I satellite crack. DDT that Dolph Ziggler uh, does yeah. a lot. And it looked great. It's, and I'd never seen it done to two people like that before. Yep. And then I think the spot of the night was Jungle Boy's Hearn Kanrana out of the ring onto, God, I can't remember which one either Santana Ortiz and then flipped them into the other one Yeah, um, right before the finish of this match. So really good stuff. We're going to have a five on five match next week because the inner circle is now a complete circle. Joel. Yeah. So we got the return of Sammy Guevara and we got the best friends coming out to kind of make the save uh, on behalf of the uh, Jurassic express. And so we're going to have, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy pairing up with uh, Chuck and Trent and Orange Cassidy to face off with all five members of the Inner Circle. I expect this match to be nothing short of complete chaos. And This should be a tornado tag match. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be the stadium stampede all over again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but I- I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be good. And um, it's... Uh, Uh, They got me. I really was like, what the hell is Serpentico doing out there? And uh, yeah, once once he hit the shooting star press, I kind of realized, oh, that's not actually Serpentico. Sammy's back. Uh, My my real thought is, all right, bro, this is your second chance. Don't fuck it up. You have a chance to be an ally here. You have a chance to do some good, but you don't get a third chance. So good luck. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we talked off air about this and I think it, what it comes down to is you no longer get the benefit of the doubt. And so you've got to get right and, and demonstrate that you've learned from this whole experience and everything that went down with the suspension. And, you know, hopefully he's learned from this and and he's a more mature and, you know, intelligent person. But if he, if if he does something new, like here in the next few months, and they don't release him, then I'm going to be furious. Because at that point, it's just like you haven't learned a thing. So, hey man, you're a young dude. You can you can be better. You know, be better, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, so. he's 26 years old. He was 22 when he made those comments, and you know, I I don't know about you. I did a lot of growing up between ages 22 and 26. Uh, I imagine Sammy also has, and I hope that he's grown up even more in the last month. 
So uh, nice to see him back, though. Like, I think it's it's good oh, yeah. to have the inner circle as a complete group. And um, I think that the outcome that AEW chose with regards to the suspension was appropriate and a, a very um, kind of restorative justice approach to kind of managing the situation. So I, I like to see that. Yeah, AEW, the in-ring stuff is better with Sammy in it. And yeah, let's keep it that way. Love seeing Sammy work, you know, love seeing what he can do in the ring. And maybe we'll finally get the continuation of that story with Matt Hardy that kind of got put on the the back burner while he was out. So yeah, I feel like Um, Private Party kind of got screwed by that because, you know, they were involved in that too. So hopefully we can pick back up. Um. Usually we do a whole rundown of what's on the card next week, but we've talked about every match except one on next week's card. So, Joel, why don't we just real quick, uh, we're going to get Diamante versus Hikaru Shida in a non-title match next week. Is it a non-title match? Yep, it's a non-title match. Okay. Well, My I'm, guess I'm is because she's not in the rankings and, and Diamante's two and five in the company. Um, she's wrestled so, seven times? Apparently. like That's what came up on her title card. Wow. Yeah. That's I I thought this was like her third, second or third match. Well, I, I noticed it because I also watched Dark this week and she was on Dark. Um and they mentioned that. So yeah. Uh that's probably why. And I think if they're gonna be kicking off this big women's tag team tournament, they probably don't want uh title matches or anything like that if they're building to that. So sure makes my sense. guess. But I'm looking forward to it. I think those two are going to put on a great match, great show. Um, and my guess is that match will play a part in the eventual, you know, forming of tag teams in this tournament. So um, can't wait to see who they end up with. So um, on that note, you can follow us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show. You can find Joel at the other Joel on Twitter. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get a podcast. We're pretty much there now. Uh, please subscribe. That really helps us out. And if you like the show, give us a review. Those reviews are really helpful in us getting noticed. Um, if you have any friends who like wrestling or, you know, you want to kind of get them back into the the wrestling game, you know, send our podcast their way. We'd really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to developing this podcast more. and. You know, we're at episode 31 now, Joel. So we closing in on more milestones as we as we keep going. So episode 50 will be here right around the corner. Yeah, I I always wonder with podcasts, like, is it more appropriate to celebrate episode 52 than episode 50? Because like it represents a year. Um, I don't know. Stuff to think about. Well, luckily, we got 19. uh, We got 18 more weeks, 19 more weeks to figure that one out. All right. Um, I do actually have a random observation this week. Oh, oh, fuck. That's, it's still so long. <laughs> Joel's random observation of the week. So I actually have two. I'll run through them quickly. So first is, um, I, I know you're a fan of, of musicals. And uh, we had Chris Jericho wearing his jacket that was stained last week. And I think there was a, a missed opportunity, a perfect opportunity to call it uh, Chris and the Technicolor Jericho. So 
Uh, well, if you send, didn't me like that that one, <laughs> send me that in a text because that might be the name of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you didn't like that one, um, they're listening because this week on the beer cans, instead of the being scratched out with a Sharpie, they were taped over. So that oh. was my other observation. Hey, props to us. Yep, pat props myself on the back for that one. To us. Um, and also, I don't care what you say, I'm proud of Chris and the Technicolor Jericho. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's bad. It's good though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and God. Also, while we didn't, we predicted a men's tournament. I feel like we should get a little credit for a tag team tournament in general, even if it isn't our G1 style that we wanted. So, small pat on the back for both of us there. Well, if we do any more patting on the back, we'll definitely strain our arms. So we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, man, I'm strong now. I've been working out. My arms can take it. And on that note, guys. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.